Last week on the show, we got a taste of the groundbreaking work of author, journalist, and editor, Tony Tipton Martin. Her best-selling and critically acclaimed books are an illuminating study of 200 years of African-American cooking. Her first book delved into what she called the Jemima Code, the shameful stereotype that for centuries obscured Black women's rich contribution to American cuisine and food culture. It was more of a representation of the patriarchy, really, because the white women were in some ways just as oppressed. The idea that they had to be on pedestals and ladylike and rail thin and delicate, like all of these things that there was so much confusion, I think, entangled in the depictions of those women that I think the bloating of the image of the black woman was really to offset and ensure that the white plantation household mistress could be delicate. This week, we'll hear about Tony's next two books, which also draw from her deep well of research into African-American cookbooks. I'm Ed Levine, founder of Serious Eats, and this is Special Sauce. We'll get started in just a moment. This episode of Special Sauce is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're anything like me, you're thinking about food all the time. One day I'm craving Texas barbecue, the next day it's cast iron skillet fried chicken. Wouldn't it be great to earn rewards on everything you crave, whether it's dishes from your favorite restaurant or food you make at home or takeout? I do love takeout, whether it's great pizza from Mama's 2 or roast pork egg foo young sauce on the side, please, from La Dinestia or just some spicy tuna rolls from Sushi Yasaka. Well, now you can with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. With this credit card, you can earn four times points on dining, takeout, and restaurant delivery, and two times points at grocery stores, grocery delivery, gas stations, EV charging stations, and streaming services. Plus. Discover how you can earn 20,000 bonus points, a $200 value, at usbank.com slash altitude go when you apply. Live every day your way with the Altitude Go card. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude go. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. Tony, we talked about your book, The Jemima Code, and it's organized chronologically, right? So here are some of your chapter titles, which I was particularly interested in. Breaking a Stereotype, 19th Century Cookbooks, Surviving Mammyism, Cooking Lessons for Work and Home, the Servant Problem, Dual Messages, Lifting as We Climb, Tea Cakes, Finger Sandwiches, Community Service, and Civil Rights. And then, Tony, you hit upon something that I haven't been able to stop thinking about, which are sections you call the Soul Food Decade and Mama's Cooking Leaves Home for the City. Tell me, Tony, how is soul food different from Southern food? 
Well, when this book was published, there were only about a dozen Black food professionals that were being called upon to speak anywhere. And now there are so many more of us, as I just stated. And so we all used to lament that we were always asked that same question. Wherever we went, what's the difference between soul and Southern food? And I observed it beyond myself when I was attending a conference that Leah Chase was attending, and she was the speaker. And from the podium, she gave uh, a very provocative answer to that question. And she said, as she would, ours just tastes better. We should say that Leah Chase was the chef and restaurateur, along with her husband, Dookie, of Dookie Chase's, which is one of the great restaurants in American history. That's and right. still and, going on. And in New Orleans, it's still going on through her descendants. She was the first time I heard anybody speak, frankly, about the kinds of things we whispered or spoke about privately. And that there, there were distinctions, but not strong ones, right? There was a point at which the Southern food and soul food were the same thing. They were the food of the poor American South. And... And those foods crossed cultural and racial boundaries. They left the plantation slave village and went into the big house. And things from the big house, techniques from the big house, went into the slave village. And there was this dynamic exchange that we seldom heard about. And so I think what happened during the soul food era, as I described it, is African Americans come out of the civil rights period feeling like they want to defend black nationalism and and I they are looking for a way to identify who we are. And listeners might recall James Brown. That was the time period when James Brown coined the phrase, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And and soul music was a manifestation of that. So there was soul everything, soul dance, soul music. And so soul food was a way for for Black people to hone in on the food of of the agricultural South and give it that same type of sensorial cooking with one spirit, you know, something that was intangible, right? They There was real no definition. Soul was just something that you did with as a spiritual act. Right. And, and what that said to me as a culinary professional who understood recipe development was minimize the intellect involved with cooking one with one's soul and one's spirit. It, t- it requires you to be engaged with your food in order to cook intuitively. There's, there is chemistry still involved. You just happen to have a good understanding of what a teaspoon looks like in your hand. But that can look like magic to an outside observer. This leads us into the next book you wrote, which was called Jubilee, Recipes from Two Centuries of African-American Cooking, because in that book, class became the demarcation line, not race. It's almost like rustic cooking versus lavish cooking, right? Or right. Or rural cooking versus urban cooking. Yes, that's a good, that's a good description, yes. I thought that was really interesting because, again, it's like you're thinking deep thoughts, man. This is some deep shit. You Nobody had ever thought like this before. 
Well, you know how we think as journalists, right? We've gone to the story and now we're looking for all of the ways that that story will evolve. We're not closed-minded when we get there, right? It might be a story about a fire, but you might observe there's a child sitting on the side of the curb and suddenly your story is about the child at the curb at the fire. It's not about the fire. And All of my books are based on an established artifact in history, something that is undisputable. So the Jemima Code, the Jemima Code is a chronology of real African-American cooks' words, their own words, published. They cannot be refuted. In the second book, I relied upon a recipe book proposal written by Arturo Schomburg, the scholar who's the namesake for the Harlem Public Library, who wrote a book proposal in the 30s describing what he thought to be the African-American recipe canon. And this had some 600 recipes in it, but what was provocative was that he described African-American foodways as existing along two pathways. One as it, the more rural, agricultural, southern, well, let's say the, the origins of soul food and the work of the, the, the food that represented the food of the workers. And so what he, what he validated was everything I saw and had begun to articulate in the Jemima Code, which was, as Americans, we had totally dismissed the food that these people made at work. And I always ask my audiences, do we know the food that our current celebrities make at home with their families? We don't. And we don't celebrate them. We don't celebrate them for the food they prepare at home. We celebrate them for the food that they prepare in their books, at their restaurants, at work. And so what I turned the tables on was saying, let's celebrate the food that these people made at work as well. And what the only conclusion you can come to is that African-American food is not simply what has become known as soul food. And there was a, a piece actually on Serious Eats when it came out. This woman reviewed Jubilee, Kayla Stewart, a really good freelance yes. writer. Her review with Jubilee isn't simply a cookbook. It's a love letter to the ancestors who left documentation and guides for our country to remember the people who made it so great and to learn how to carry our legacy into a brighter, more triumphant future. It is a love letter to Black Americans today, reminding us that joy is the root of our experience and ability to triumph. It is the love letter that we need most today. And I thought that was very well put. It was very well put. And it it obviously leads us into that title, right? That Jubilee was designed, as I said from the beginning, to set both communities free, right? Because once we, we could all come to that image of Jemima and have different interpretations, different experiences, depending upon our life, our life filters. But my goal was at the conclusion of this project, we would all come away with the same level of respect and appreciation for the wisdom that we didn't recognize before. I'm not asking anybody to change the history. I'm asking us to attribute what is due. You've left breadcrumbs for the rest of us. 
Oh, absolutely. Edgerton uh, left that um, for me as a goal, that the next generation should be able to parse through my books and pick up whatever piece resonates for them and carry on a broader expose. Coming up, we'll hear how Tony mixes Black history with mixology right after this quick break. This episode of Special Sauce is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're anything like me, you're thinking about food all the time. One day I'm craving Texas barbecue, the next day it's cast iron skillet fried chicken. Wouldn't it be great to earn rewards on everything you crave, whether it's dishes from your favorite restaurant or food you make at home? Or takeout. I do love takeout, whether it's great pizza from Mama's 2 or roast pork egg foo young sauce on the side, please, from La Dinestia, or just some spicy tuna rolls from Sushi Yasaka. Well, now you can with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. With this credit card, you can earn four times points on dining, takeout, and restaurant delivery and two times points at grocery stores, grocery delivery, gas stations, EV charging stations, and streaming services. Plus, discover how you can earn 20,000 bonus points, a $200 value, at usbank.com slash altitude go when you apply. Live every day your way with the Altitude Go card. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude go. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. So your new book is Juke Joints, Jazz Clubs, and Juice Cocktails from Two Centuries of African-American Cookbooks. And I, I'm i not a cocktails person, but I did run a jazz club and I worked in jazz for many years and I studied saxophone with this great saxophonist, Jimmy Heath, who just died at the age of 92. Oh my. And then I even managed the Heath brothers, which was Jimmy and Percy Heath from the Modern Jazz Quartet. So I really related to that, to that title. So what made you decide? Because it doesn't sound like you're really a cocktail person either. I'm not. It's all that sugar in there. You know, my mother would not approve of that. <laughs> but now I've got all these books in front of me. I've explored their recipes and I've traced them throughout history. And I noticed a gap. I noticed that when it comes to beverages, spirit spirit-based beverages, there is a pronounced gap that alcohol disappears from the written page in 1948, and it does not come back until that soul food era. It was so interesting to me as a journalist. Like, that was the part of the story I wanted to dwell on, and that's what I thought this whole project was going to be about, was what I discovered. And then what I discovered 
was that again, it was back to this code. Yeah, <laughs> it really same was. message over and over again. And you distilled that code in the case of spirits as by is that there was a dividing line, either drinking is good or drinking is bad. That's correct. And we, I didn't know, so I'm going to express my ignorance here, admit my ignorance here, but I was not aware the uh, degree to which the prohibition movement was built on this concept that African-Americans' it, consumption of alcohol was dangerous. Uh, but the, the encoded part is that just prior to that, marketers, spirits manufacturers, were promoting the virility of their product or their ability to create virility with this product as if, you know, it was Viagra in a bottle. And so they would put these black men on the bottles of uh, the labels of their gin or something. And then then they wanted to take it all back. They changed their minds. It was so strange. It was very strange. One of the other amazing discoveries here is that as Per usual, the book, My Recipes Are Rooted in uh, a Time Period, far enough back to establish a pattern. And so this, these, the series of recipes in Juke Joints is based on two recipe books in my collection. One by Tom Bullock, published in 1917, which many, many bartenders today refer to as the canon, the, you know, the Bible of Black. But thank God, Robert Simonson was a, has a generous heart, and he told me about another book, Julian Anderson, which was published two years later, and I was able to obtain a copy of that book. And so for a long time, I thought this was going to be a book that used Tom and Julian in the way that I had used Arturo Schomburg's recipe list, and before that, the Alabama bibliography, as a treasure map kind of a way that I would trace things through history to find patterns. But what I was delighted to discover in pursuit of the Jemima female quotient is that a woman named Atheline Payton published a book in 1906. Wow. Prior to the gents. And even though she didn't publish a full cocktail collection, there she is the first time, in my collection anyway, that there is a recipe, there is a chapter full of cocktail recipes. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So I'm still sticking with the woman name to summarize all of that. You know, because you put Duke Joints and Jazz Clubs in the title, it made me think about the... Really close parallels between what happened to African American music and African American food in this country, right? It's it's the same story. It's such a hard topic. The current generation has so much access now through the internet to gain their independence and to become a little bit more financially stable in in selling their musical projects and their recipe and restaurants and food. Everybody's got more opportunity today. Yes, because the internet has basically eliminated all the gatekeepers. All the gatekeepers. But there is still a way that gatekeeping can exist. And it's important for all of us to understand this history so that we could be aware of some of the ways that we continue to marginalize people through our institutions. 
and and that's the that's really the takeaway message from all of this work is that we are better together than we are apart and we are much more similar than we think that we are but there's been a there's been a community that has an investment in keeping us divided and these stereotypes perpetuate behaviors on both sides of the discussion. And until we resolve that, the question is always, why can't you people stop looking backwards? And it's because we're not resolving the the errors of the past. And until we do that, we're just going to keep swimming in the same murky water. We should tell people that don't know that you are now the editor of Cook's Country, which I always thought of as a lily white food magazine. And you've been doing it for three years, I think. What was that like? How were you greeted? I was greeted with open arms because they were ready to make a change. But there would be that question back to tokenism, right? I had to process that a little bit because the invitation to apply for that job occurs during the George Floyd reckoning when everyone is scrambling to publish more Black books and make more Black TV and, you know, Black people were popular for a minute. And I did not want to be hired under those circumstances. What I discussed with everyone in my in, in the interview process was that I was going to bring who I am to that brand. And that means that I'm going to bring equity for all American cooks now. What I've been able to do and will continue to do in my private world for African-American cooks, I am now doing for American regional cooks. And so the primary change that I've made is instituting a practice of sourcing and identifying where we obtain our techniques. There's no more erasure in service of being the best test kitchen in America, right? We we all know that recipes are based on exchange and you can still be the best because you can pursue rigorous testing, which we do. We want to make sure that our recipes are fail-proof so that absolutely anyone who makes it will succeed. But what we have added to that is my own personal level of rigor. And the depth of research to ensure that even if it's just a next door neighbor who happened to have stirred her cake to the left, we we're going to identify that. So can we talk about your foundation? Yeah, you know, I when I left the food world, I left the plain dealer and I, I left the food world and I tried different things trying to figure out who I was going to be in the next season of my life. And so I founded a 501c3 nonprofit that I thought would teach cooking classes in this very same model. I wanted to restore a historic old house to capture that love that I have for history. And I wanted it to be a place where women in particular came together of all different um, cultures and shared their kitchen wisdom with one another over a meal. It was an extension of what we did at SFA, and it certainly is what I am doing on the page now. But at the time, I had no books. No no one in New York wanted to publish the content that I was creating. That's a, that's a whole nother story. But, but the beauty of that is that I created a foundation instead. And for a long time, I've been in, in desperate desire to, to have this space. And 
with great gratitude to the Julia Child Foundation, I have been convinced to change the direction of that foundation, and it will now be the Tony Tipton Martin Foundation. And so it is no longer just focused on the health and well-being of young people, but will be to promote emerging writers and more of the cause of building bigger community. And so I made a commitment that I would set up programming that would support emerging writers. Uh, This was during COVID. So we had at the time was that we would do this through videos that would be like master classes. Established women would provide mentorship to this next generation that hadn't necessarily had access and institutional knowledge, but they now have all of this opportunity. So they need recipe development. They need to understand what it is to be on camera and uh, lots of the skills that many of us have that um, we're not passing on as directly. Well, you got to keep on keeping on, Tony. You're doing important work. Tony Tipton Martin, thank you so much for sharing your special sauce with us. Tony's new book is uh, juke joints, jazz clubs, and juice cocktails from two centuries of African American cookbooks. And I implore serious eaters everywhere around the world to get a copy of the Jemima Code, two centuries of African American cookbooks. And while you're at it, you should also check out the other volume of what I call the Tony Tipton Martin trilogy, Jubilee Recipes from Two Centuries of African American Cooking. Anyway, Tony, it was a pleasure to finally get a chance to chat with you at length. It was delightful, and we didn't even get to the cocktail, so you'll have to have me back. Exactly. We will delve further and deeper into the cocktails. Special Sauce is produced by Pedro Rafael Rosado and Jocelyn Gonzalez of PRX Productions. Be sure to check out all of our episodes at thespecialsaucepodcast.com. And follow me on Instagram at SeriousEaterEd, all lowercase, no spaces. So long, Serious Eaters. We'll see you next time. episode of Special Sauce is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're anything like me, you're thinking about food all the time. One day I'm craving Texas barbecue, the next day it's cast iron skillet fried chicken. Wouldn't it be great to earn rewards on everything you crave, whether it's dishes from your favorite restaurant or food you make at home? Or takeout. I do love takeout, whether it's great pizza from Mama's 2 or roast pork egg foo young sauce on the side, please, from La Dinestia, or just some spicy tuna rolls from Sushi Yasaka. Well, now you can with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. With this credit card, you can earn four times points on dining, takeout, and restaurant delivery and two times points at grocery stores, grocery delivery, gas stations, 
EV charging stations, and streaming services. Plus, discover how you can earn 20,000 bonus points or $200 value at usbank.com slash altitude go when you apply. Live every day your way with the Altitude Go card. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude go. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply.